0: All right, well welcome everybody. We are live, it's the top of the hour. It's time for another Tech 37. My name is Rob Boyd. Today we are talking security. Oh my gosh, are we talking security? We've got some brainiacs in the house. So excited to introduce you to these guys if you've not met them already. Uh, And frankly, sometimes some of these guys, if you may meet them, you may realize that something's gone awfully wrong if they're engaged in something uh, because they're on the response, they're on the prevention, they're all over it. So to our point for today, Solar winds and the attack that was uh, precipitated through solar winds that just occurred a little over a month ago has got everybody stirred up, and for good reason. It's—it's There's many elements of this that we're going to discuss that have um, implications that we all need to be reminded of, and that's the thing, when security makes the news, and zero-trust network architecture is what we're gonna to speak to in terms of how would it have affected solar winds if we had the ability to go back in time, but the key point is how would it affect you going forward? What kind of things do you need to pay attention to? Is there anything you could ignore? What do we need to learn from these type of things? All that and more, it's Tech 37, your home for technology, education, and collaboration. My name is Rob Boyd. Let's go ahead and meet the experts and get moving. Well, gentlemen, I hope I didn't over-promote you in the open there, but uh, I, I think you've got everything from, from prevention – to cure to uh, detection response you guys have have done it all multiple times over and uh and so in fact let's go through your backgrounds real quick i'm going to start right above me here with steve and um and then we'll work our way around to my brother from another mother and onward but steve uh, could you walk us through you guys are all from worldwide technology but steve what are you responsible for and, and what are you bringing to us today
1: yeah, thanks. Um, my name is Steve Brodson, and I am a cybersecurity architect on our global security team. Um, my responsibility—I am a a services lead on our zero trust uh, zero trust team—and what that means is that I am responsible for—I'm in a leader leadership position for creating uh, our approach to the marketplace for as as for zero trust solutions. Um, and so we'll, we'll, you know, I'll try to try to give a little of an introduction to that as we go today.
0: Oh, yeah. We're going to get that out of you. Don't worry. But yeah, you're, you guys offer a lot of different services that we're going to talk about that can potentially be of a big help for, for these situations where people aren't sure what to do or how to respond or how to even dig further. Uh, and you have been building and continue to build because it's a moving target. Um, the services around this type of thing. So I do look forward to hearing more on that. And Ricky, So fun to meet you because I think I got a message from somewhere else around worldwide goes, Ricky, uh, related to you whatsoever. And I go, Ricky, who Ricky, Bobby, Uh, Ricky Boyd, Um, man, what do you, what do you do there at worldwide technology? What are you responsible for?
2: I'm a a federal cybersecurity architect, Um, been with WWT for a little over two years. Um, I mainly uh, take care of the DOD and the Navy clients.
0: Ah, Oh, the easy ones. uh, Basically. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm sure they've noticed a little thing from SolarWinds uh, kind of popping up on the to-do list recently. So this will be interesting to get into um, without, of course, exposing anything. So much stuff I probably can't ask you guys, and especially Ken, who's probably got his fingers in all kinds of places he's not allowed to speak to. But Ken, what's your background and what do you do for Worldwide?
3: Yeah, thanks. I'm a principal consultant with the Global Security Group here. And so I handle everything from commercial to federal, um, fee tabletop assessments, et cetera, helping with the governance and risk management and maturing your practice. I actually have a background in large scale incident breach. So this is an exciting subject. It's an honor to be here, about 20 years worth of uh, major stuff. Like most of the major investigations you've heard about this century, I was materially involved or led those. Um, So this is a really fun topic for me, although it's really uncomfortable for everyone else.
0: Sure. Well, and it's not often that security makes the news, and we've all seen it make the news when security professionals are like, "Why that one make the news?" You know, because it, it was someone famous or it was uh, something else. But this one legitimately has made the news because it legitimately has done things differently and has once again either showcase where things need to change on the uh, uh, on on some people's ends, and in other cases, it's 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 still just a good old reminder of the same stuff we need to continue to do. But let's set the stage, Ken, and I wonder if you could walk us through the solar winds, um, what happened? Uh, because it's not, it's not it's not solar winds that was attacked specifically is what's being talked about, but how they were kind of used as a conduit, right? I, w- I wonder if you can, right. obviously they were attacked or they, they wouldn't been open to that, but tell us what happened, what's important to understand at a high level?
3: Yeah, a uh, great question. So this is what we call a supply chain attack. It's different than the average opportunistic kind of attack that we would get every day like you get an email and it's phishing and it's not targeting you specifically or me they're just doing a broad spray hoping someone will double click on it and they can compromise when you deal with targeted attacks they often have a time span of months and years and you can see that in the timeline of solar winds uh, it easily goes back to 2019 and there'll be a lot more information that comes out later even today there's news about how china was involved now instead of russia and the big whodunit question oh, wow. but the answer is it's complex what we do know for sure is that solar winds was targeted and when they were targeted the bad actors went in and modified their source code and when they rolled out trusted updates to their 18,000 plus clients for their orion platform everybody got something extra special a backdoor trojan and They had all kinds of what I call stealth for survival tactics that were quite advanced that the average network's just not gonna be able to handle with the legacy or traditional security measures. So it went undetected for a long period of time. They got all blown off right before Christmas. Everybody started to discover it. And now what we're gonna see is ongoing reports of actor attribution, new tools, tactics, malware, and even the threats that have yet to have been discovered that are related to the breach or breaches that are part of this. And it's important to note the majority of Fortune 500, estimated 425 out of the 500, and all branches of U.S. military were likely at risk or compromised as a result.
0: So this one's interesting. Uh, For one, this is not the first, of course, that's done this, but in the sense of um, a reminder that when we discover these things is not the the date when when the incursion happened. This is something that you find out at least appears to have happened, as you said, 2019, and that's probably based on current information that could probably, that could change at different yep. levels, I'm sure. Um, but also what makes this one really concerning is this is the, is it, I would assume that everyone that uses SolarWinds, I used to use SolarWinds and this Orion um, network management software, very well used. And so my relationship as a general company with SolarWinds is that of a trust relationship. So I perhaps give them certain rights within for them to do what they need to do so that I can use their tools. And generally, I would think that has been a good thing to be able to do. But so that's one thing that characterizes this differently is that suddenly uh, the attackers are somewhat piggybacking on this trust relationship by hitting the supply chain using that distribution mechanism to then get a backdoor into these other places. But it's the activity that happens in uh, these other places. Yeah, go ahead.
3: Yeah, if you think about it strategically, you put on your, what we call in the security industry, the red team or the attacker mindset, look at it from the eyes of your adversary, right? The art of war reference. You got to say it right. And so the answer is, is that if I was going to strategically attack your network, I would want to have God's view of that. How do I do that? I want to Mm -hmm. get it in the center of all your IT administrator uh, permissions and views and uh, connections. And there's no better place to do that than inside of your IT orchestration, visibility and management software like Orion.
0: Well, what I want to get into, of course, is, you know, we raised the question in some of the marketing materials in terms of this show about, you know, would solar wind, would zero trust network architecture with these principles that we're going to speak to, would they begin to address what's happened in this situation? We're not going to answer that directly here for a second because, Steve, I want to come to you and let's understand. Now we understand a little bit about solar winds and we'll get a little bit more probably but let's understand zero trust network architecture, ZTNA. How do you begin to describe what that is and what's kind of the important high points we need to keep in mind?
1: Yeah. So, well, the first the first thing I want to say is that ZTNA is a subset of the overall group of technologies that we're calling or, or the, the overall framework that we're looking at called zero trust. Um Overall, so zero trust architecture really focuses in on protection of, um, protection of assets within your environment by providing a, a least privilege, uh, a true least privilege approach. And it does that in several ways. Uh, first it, it ratchets down the amount of trust or the amount of privileges from that we, that we have from, from a traditional environment. Um, by introducing things, by introducing things like identity as a as a primary uh, key to get in, um, and and identity broadening the definition that we normally think of as identity by looking at all ty- all sorts of context elements as well. So you're going to you're going to pull in. Um, you're you're looking at not just who's accessing the the data, but What, what are they trying to access? When are they, you know, what time of day are they using? Where are they coming from? And that's all used to build a risk profile. That's then, that's then a a much broader perspective. How do we, how do we give, we, we know whether to give this, this person access or not, this, this requester, and it does not have to be a person. It can be a system. So on top of that, then, the other, you know, another tenet of of zero trust is that we're dynamically reassessing that in the moment, not not when the not 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 on a session basis, which is I think where a lot of technology is today, but that when the risk levels change, the 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 access is 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 uh, either denied or granted dynamically at that time, and so again that gives that 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 ratchets down the window that it that is available for for accessing a you know accessing a resource and then finally sounds, this sounds a lot like
0: yeah. what we've one of the principles that we've had as far as i know and i don't have y'all's background but principle of least privilege it's one of the is it a, you're, you're speaking to ways in which to actually implement that physically within your uh, architecture is that's
1: that i think that's right i think that zero trust is an evolution of uh, of security mechanisms, it, it's a maturity. You know, it, it 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 is it is a more mature way to imp- to implement least privilege, and in doing so, it actually it actually gives you less privileges from more traditional models, and that's one of the reasons why it is it is something that um, you know we see it as a you know as a good model for increasing individual the the maturity levels of individual customers or or enterprises that that this is this provides a roadmap and a framework for improving your overall security defenses and giving you a chance against something like a solar winds or or whatever the next one is even even if it's very sophisticated and we i know we're going to go we can go into that but that's you know the Zero trust. Zero trust. We believe is a is an evolution of the industry, and it is you know. It, and and we talk to our clients, our customers, about about pulling in this 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 framework and using it uh, to to mature their organization and mature their overall security postures.
0: Ricky, let me ask you. Um. Uh. One. Where can I buy a zero trust? I don't know. Uh what the SKU, I don't know what the SKU number is or, and how much it costs, but it sounds like something I want. Uh, but also just kidding, obviously it's not a product. Uh, but I wonder if you, can you expand a little bit further from your perspective on, um, what's important to understand here? Cause specifically I think, can we do, is it safe to ignore the fact that it feels like there's several different things on the solar winds just at a high level, the supply chain attack. I feel like if I'm a business, I can't, completely, I mean, I could make, I could say that I want only good code coming from all the vendors I work with, but to a certain extent, that feels like that's out of my control. Um, it's got to be a different stage of what's happened here with Solar Winds that Zero Trust would start to affect, but maybe I, I may not have that completely straight if you could expand.
2: Yeah. Um, so, you know, to kind of dovetail what Steve said, you know, there's about, you know, 12 elements that are control mechanisms within Zero Trust. So you know, reducing the attack surface, um, uh, multiple threat feeds, you know, a lot of different you know control items within zero trust architecture. So, so this is basically around NIST 800-207. Um, so we kind of have this practice that we kind of you know went and and to Steve's leadership um, took about you know at least 12 of these elements you know, identity, threat feeds, whatever the case may be. Um, and, and basically, those are the ones that we need to develop and look at to provide a mature type of zero trust architecture. Um, you know, to kind of hit on the two things that I kind of look at hmm. and what, you know, you know, WWT looked at is CDM and ICAM or the two items, you know, control elements.
0: Can you hear um, my uh, acronym buzzer going off? Yes. On those last two. I let NIST go by, but. Ricky's talking. Yeah. And then it's fine because there's good stuff. But what are those last two you just mentioned? I want to make sure no one misses.
2: Yeah. So CDM is continuous diagnostics and mitigation. Okay. Uh, So that's something to what Steve was talking about and highlighting, you know, as part of Zero Trust. And the other one, what Ken and I think Steve was also hitting on, is identity credential and access management. Uh, So you know, some of the first things that we do for like a zero trust workshop would be to look at identity, make sure identity is also good. So.
0: Gotcha. You. Okay. Now. Uh, okay. So I'm trying to think when we come, when it comes down to mapping this out and, and I don't know who to specifically address this to, but you mentioned there's about 12 different things. I think we've established that zero trust. Um, is it right to say that this is kind of a principle? That's like that's the one I have with my kids. I have zero trust yeah. in anything that they do. This, um, zero
1: trust, zero trust. It's really important to emphasize that this is not an individual product or an individual set of products. And good, good, one good. of the things that I think WWT, you know, really speaks to WWT is our ability to um, take the take the industry standards, and that's where NIST uh, NIST came in. Take the industry standards around what is zero trust at a at a broad level. And then work with different OEM vendors and and really understand their solutions so that we're not actually pushing one solution or another. Because as you know, you go from one OEM to the next, each OEM is going to have its strengths and have its weaknesses. We 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 take the we take the focus rather than rather than an OEM that might be saying, okay, to get zero trust, here's the components of our of our solution, you need to put into place. We take the the process of looking at the customer where they stand, mm-hmm. and starting to build incrementally toward a toward a solution that addresses their objectives and their objectives around reducing risk, around all of the, you know, around the 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 different uh, the different security uh, controls that are in their environment. So one of the things, so so what's really important for that is. When we sit down with a customer, we're looking at we're looking at a number of different things. We're looking at you know where they want to go and and we've built a number of different solutions and ways to ways to kind of break that down into a more palatable uh, uh, or into a, into a more easy to easily understood, Uh, um, methodology. So for example, rather than, rather than throwing all kinds of concepts at the customer, uh, specifically, we're going to start by looking at use cases and we're going to break down those use cases by the different zero trust elements that go, that go into those and make those up. So when we go into a, so, so when we go into a workshop, one of the, one of the questions is, okay, where are you going? The second question, one of the second questions, is where are you currently, and mm-hmm. and using that, oh, no. those you know those those combinations, we're able to now start to really help build this out, and and it rests on the foundations that Ricky was talking about, right? It rests on um, you know having a solid identity infrastructure, or it's, you know having yeah,
0: jump in.
2: But I think I think what what it also kind of you know delves into is kind of, you know, abiding by the design criteria. So we look at not only the client, where they've been, where they want to go, but how it fits into the zero trust architecture, which is network infrastructure, software-defined perimeters, uh, enhanced, you know, identity governance and micro-segmentation. So, you know, just by saying that, that's a big bunch of you know vendors, you know that yeah. we got to wade through, we got to evaluate, uh, make sure that you know some of these fit.
0: It, well, it also says because you guys mentioned there was risk, there's maturity, and something we had talked about previous to this, which I really liked. Uh, all of you all had kind of brought this up at various degrees, but it's a notion of understanding it on a mat- maturity continuum. So any organization is going to. Have a certain number of security things already deployed. They could be really good at security, um, you know, or really bad at it in a general sense. At all, and it, and and who's to say what is what? Because it's individual for every group, right? What are their assets? What's most important to them, and what's their tolerance for risk? Um, and this is these are things you guys know how to help people understand. But the idea is to advance your maturity because it's not going to just be, oh, well, you need the latest firewall or the latest uh, what have you, CASB or something. Um, I I don't want to get away because we are going to come back and I want to specifically talk about services that you guys provide. But Ken, if it's at all possible, without getting too deep, because I know you can dust me here real quick. But speaking of, am I correct in saying that there's not a ton you can do to prevent a supply chain attack from one of your trusted suppliers, uh, I would assume. So if we assume that that establishes a beachhead in the organization, it feels like most attacks – always kind of roll up to a similar type of thing at a very high level. They're similar anyway, in that you exploit a vulnerability, you, you, you gain access, but then at some point, then you're going to need to go tell somebody that, Hey, I've got this access. Now I need to do something else to uh, kind of leverage that access further or leverage the trust relationships that may or may not, that may be there. And so that begins, you know, where are the trust elements kind of match up with what we saw with solar wind, So we could kind of draw some parallels to, because the idea is not to prevent, if you want to prevent all attacks from solar winds, then we'll quit using solar winds, but that's really not the case here. That's not what we're trying to say, right? Uh, what are the parallels that we should be drawing out of this specifically to, since we advertise, this is about yeah. solar winds first.
3: I'm not sure I heard all of that question because you triggered me when you said beachhead, you got me all excited.
0: Oh, <clears> yeah, sorry. Yeah, <clears> well, well that, calm that's yourself. My language. And,
3: uh, <laughs> and just to make sure, ding, I'll put my little buzzer up there. What does that mean? It means if you, have gained access and intruded inside of a network that you then establish like your base ops. Uh, and from there, then you try to do things like privilege escalation. Let's say I've a uh, compromised a computer, but I'm only at the regular user level and I wanna be at the admin level. I wanna have access to a certain place in the network that's not possible without certain types of permissions. So then I may try to perform additional reconnaissance, maybe do some exploits to elevate my uh privileges and my rights and my visibility and then i'm going to probably want to do lateral movement across the network and of course then there's also this need to communicate externally because i'm remote as the the adversary so i'm going to need to be able to communicate at some point if i want to do advanced reconnaissance command and control or perform certain actions of interest and all of that requires stealth meaning how do i not get detected right? And, and you're right. I'm really glad you brought this up. Um, a lot of people want to play the blame game when we get into large-scale incident. And uh, certainly, there are areas that we're all responsible for, right? solar winds, I'm sure, has their areas of strength and weakness, and so does Worldwide Technology and every other company in the world. Uh, but I, I want to caution people against playing the blame game. It's important that you recognize um, your maturity game. How do you respond to it? There have been a lot of organizations that have really matured, Uh, As a result of post strategic incident response, meaning I got rid of it, I got rid of the known, but what did I learn from it? And how do I go forward from here? And that's why I like talking about zero trust, because I got to tell you, if I'm a bad guy, and I'm inside of your network, and you have zero trust, and it's not just zero trust, but it's really mature, you have just now slowed down my attack. you made it really hard for me to not be detected. And I have an issue now in the speed and the agility at which I perform my attack. In fact, I might even get discovered before my supply chain attack is launched against all the clients downstream of SolarWinds. That's a big deal. That would have and made I, a big difference if that had happened. Not saying that's that. The important, sure.
1: Yeah, that, that's the important piece of zero trust in this context, right? Is that zero trust would provide you the tools that, that are going to help you to interrupt or to, to identify Frustrate. that attack as it's happening, so yeah. you know the using using you know having segmentation in your enterprise that gives you much more that gives you gives you uh, um, enhanced visibility. In different points of the network so that you can identify lateral movement in your network traffic that um, from the from from Ken's beachhead over to the, the you force it through some know, specific control points project.
0: that you're watching more tightly, that, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, that gives us a potential place to in to, to, you know, to to intervene. There, there are other, you know, there, there are other pieces of it as well. I mean, the you know the one really significant component of identity that we talk to customers all the time about is privileged access management so in other words what does it take to take a simple a simple user authentication and elevate that to to administrator privileges without which i think that the kind of attack that we're talking about might have been somewhat more difficult so those are those are very, very concrete areas where maturity in a zero trust environment would have helped against, you know would have helped against uh, to identify this attack and to intervene against components of it.
0: Well, the other angle that I really like, you brought up Ken, in this notion, I use the word frustration, that may not have been exactly how you worded it, but I know that Ken, you're both uh, a good defensive person is usually has pretty good offensive skills. And I know that if you wanted to attack my network, let's pretend it's actually a network worth attacking, Um, if you wanted into Rob's network, you'd get in, uh, no matter what Mm -hmm. I had done, you'd find a way. And mostly because you would be patient and you would keep figuring it out until finally you show up as a uh, repair person or something to work on something in my house. I didn't thought about, and all of a sudden you're inside either way, what I like, and this principle here, because I feel like it's a twofer in terms of, uh, getting value out of, uh, implementing more and more levels of zero trust. Ricky mentions there's as many as 12, um, and obviously, you don't do all these things all at once generally, and so the idea is to mm-hmm. work on the stuff that's that's most yeah. at risk, uh, That uh, and that's going to be an individual answer. But you also mentioned this frustration thing that I love, which is, and I'm curious if you agree, if you're, as an attacker, if you're looking for places to break into, let's say government institutions, and there's multiple ones, you've got some you probably like more than others, but am I right in assuming that in general, unless you're highly focused, you're going to kind of like anybody would stay away from the things that frustrate you and are difficult and maybe go and get attracted to the things that are easier. And so sometimes good security is about just not being as insecure as your neighbor or as, you know, so as we raise our level, the idea is you can't ever be perfect, but you can at least frustrate people's attempts. I would think so that they'll move on.
3: Yeah. It's a, it's place? a little more complex. It's a great question. I like where yeah. you're headed with it. Um, I'll, I'll answer it with the target case. I handled that one. And one of the reasons why Target and about a thousand other organizations that you didn't hear about were all hit with uh, what we call point of sale fraud. Uh, what was it, 2015? It's been a while now. It's because the United States is the low hanging fruit internationally when it came to credit card processing procedures and security. We were not using chips. And as a result, then the ability to monetize or cash out stolen credit cards was trivial. and far less effort for the bad guys compared to, say, dealing with a chip in the United Kingdom or something like that. So we became the low-hanging fruit internationally because we weren't up to par. Now that we're up to par, that's created a level playing field and that helped to hinder it. So there is that concept of that, and that could be both opportunistic or targeted, meaning that uh, if I have ransomware, the number one targeted threat that we see opportunistically sprayed across the world, but now they're going after specific large scale organizations. We wrote an article about this recently on the platform. Um, The trend in the last year has been they'll go after big organizations for big payouts, and it's dramatically changed the ransomware uh, likelihood and risk and scenarios that are taking place there. And you can help to control against both that as well as highly targeted attacks where, yeah, if I want to get into your network, I will and if all i have to do is persist and have some advanced skills and capabilities i have that there are a few other people and other countries and nations and things that are weaponized to do that and yes if you persist the chances are you'll likely obtain the target
0: so ricky let me ask you what what's the what are they how do you what's what do you do first uh, you know where do the you, you hinted at some of this but maybe we just go back on <clears throat> some of it and expand but if I'm looking at this and I'm going, I'm not sure as an organization where I stand, um, and I like this concept of zero trust; it makes complete sense. But it's not a product I can buy. So, what should I buy? What what do I need to work on? How how do you begin thinking through these things?
2: Yeah, just to kind of, you know, answer that in in you know after one statement that I make, I think you know Stephen Kinners. Ken and Steve are our silver bullets at WWT for this type of solution. I just is that an age save.
0: reference or what is that? What do you mean?
2: <laughs> <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> oh, silver haired devils. Yeah. I can't don't. I, I've just figured
3: out that. my next target. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Coming <laughs> at you, baby. No, I think
2: the first thing No, I think the first thing that you start off with is identity. You know, knowing Who's going to be on your network is probably the most important, you know, obviously, uh, and then validating that. So making sure that you have, you know, your your identity infrastructure, you're completely sound, very mature, you know, tied into everything, so that then whenever there is a problem, you know, it's easy to just you know disconnect them, you know, through their identity. And there's some architectures within zero trust that actually address that. Um, so, you know, from there, you know, then we pivot from a workshop uh, to whatever is the, the low-hanging fruit or of the most interest, depending on their environment and, you know, who they are. You know, if it's a lawyer shop, you know, then, you know, their client list is important. If it's target, you know, their assets, supply chain, that kind of thing, get point of sale, you know. So to Ken and Steve's point, you know, we kind of, Look at you know who it is, what they're doing, you know what the crown jewels are, and we try to protect it to that end. Mm-hmm. You know, all using that zero trust yeah. architecture, and then pulling in other stuff. You know, you know to kind of answer you know the question, and I hope Steven can also you know get a chance to answer this. But you know, you know I think the message here is that zero trust would not have stopped Solar You know, from a you know a determined you know, adversary. Um, but however, I do think that there's other things that we could put within zero trust to make it much stronger and much more of a, of a security platform that makes everything very frustrating for the determined attacker. And that's sore, um, as well as like, like, um, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, security orchestration, Fast uh, any bigger
0: buttons. Form. Yeah.
2: Um uh, you know, uh, Steve likes to be very humble. Steve is an incredible SOAR engineer and and an advisor. So Steve is incredible on SOAR. Um, long time ago, I, you know, reached out for his help about you know two years ago, and uh, so SOAR is really great. Uh, the other one is threat deception.
0: What so, explain threat deception?
3: you know what those do for Very really okay. important. Yeah, We've heard the word a few times. I I think this is my final comment here is that uh, it's about visibility. The threat of the unknown is very real. And you don't know what you don't know. And if you don't have visibility, then you're blind and you're accepting that risk blindly. You don't even know what risk you're accepting. So you yeah. have to have visibility and controls that are in place to do it. And uh, and the word mature matters, too. So how do you get there? How do you prioritize it? How do you identify where you want to be headed today? And what is what is your low-hanging fruit around your high-value assets? That's an important question. And if you're starting to do that work and you phase it and you bring in the right partners, then you're going to have a chance at lowering it. And you may not have been able to stop it, but you might have been able to detect it before. Much sooner,
0: perhaps, starts. right, at the very right. least.
3: Yeah. Because if you'd have stopped it when they were editing the source code or they were in there and then you handled it, we'd have never had this large-scale supply chain breach, right? So that's an important thing. Not saying that they're at fault for having it or not having it. It's just this, we know, is a great way to lower risk.
0: Yeah. And Ricky, you were going to, you were still uh, and, finishing. And I think. Or Steve, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think I come at at this question a little differently from Ricky and Ken. Both of them pointed out the the the, the high value uh, high value assets. I think your very first step is really understanding your risks, understanding what is this what is the protect surface that you've got to focus on. Where what what are the what are the the. The crown jewels, if you will, and mm-hmm. and you know, and build around that because most approaches, most enterprises aren't going to be able to just implement uh, zero trust comprehensively as a top down uh, type of a type of a. Yeah, a it's program. not something you really would do all for at most, once. I can't it, imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's for most. It's going to be an incremental program. So, well, you know, I think though that the you know that that once you have that. Foundation. Once you understand what you have and where where it's important, then it's time to start breaking down. Okay, what are those? What are those? You know, what are the weaknesses? What are the things in in our enterprise, in our organization, the areas where we aren't very mature? And those become higher priorities than some of the others. I mean, identity absolutely clearly is 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 something for us to um, to focus in on, to zoom in on. Um, but but you know, I think,
3: yeah. I was going to say that's particularly important in a pandemic world where everybody's been rushing the cloud, and now we have these more complex infrastructures and services and third party, and uh, we've introduced a lot of risk as a an industry, if you will. And people are generally blind to what does it look like for my whole organization now, including the cloud.
0: You're saying that we never. Once we put that network in place, it doesn't stay exactly the way it is. You're saying that it evolves? <laughs> it's very dynamic. <laughs> I, I brought up the webpage here because we've mentioned the platform several times. I want to make sure everybody understands that when we talk about the platform, we're talking about WWT.com. And the platform is actually a very loving reference that I get consistently across the board from worldwide and from worldwide customers because it is, a, it is a resource that keeps getting a ton of investment. So, for one, uh, this is where you could go to look up backgrounds of any of the individuals that, that we have here and on previous Tech 37s. Uh, you could see articles that are being written. It's a great resource for me for looking up and doing the research I need for stuff like this. For instance, uh, I believe, Steve, this is your top-level zero-trust page, Um that i wanted to bring up here and we've got the url showing but also i have it at the end and there's clickable links below wherever you're watching this video mm-hmm. but um but steve i wondered because you've been responsible for putting a lot of this together i was going over to some of the specific things that are done here can you walk us through yeah, what we're seeing can, here
1: if you can scroll down on this one this this right. one is one that i think we're all, we've we've put an awful lot of investment and work into um this this is a page that's right off of our main zero trust page the, the beauty of this is we we're we're providing this as an as a uh, resource for our customers. You can you buy each of these four boxes are four these are four of the tr- zero trust solutions that we resell, not all of what we resell. But certainly, um, you know, we've I find that find very often that we're talking to customers about uh, these four solutions. Um, and this gives you the opportunity just by hitting that explore tab, that explore button to open up a lab that gives you full access to an environment. Um, and a, along with a, um, along with a guide that walks you through several zero trust exercises. And it's, it's really interesting on a detailed level when you, when you actually run these labs and kind of compare them, because you can really see that each vendor is approaching the the concepts of zero trust in a different way and how each vendor does it creates its own set of potential uh, strengths and weaknesses. And so one of the things that, you know, one of the things that that we really like to work with customers on is how do you minimize the impact of those weaknesses and emphasize the impact of those strengths. And that's, you know, so this is one way Um, you know, it's absolutely free to just take one, try one of these labs and we, we invite everybody to log in and, and give it a try.
0: Well, not everyone may realize also, uh, you know, I was going to make fun of things and hopefully you'd get my dry humor and say, is this just where you repost all the material that the vendors give you and pretend that it's, uh, your unbiased research, which I know is not the case. Uh, this is actually (laughs) a way to access the very physical labs that you guys have built, and this is just tip of the iceberg, because this is just obviously to our subject today, and there's many, many other subjects, we'll probably never even get around to covering all of them, but you guys are actually building yeah, this stuff out in your, yourselves, right? That's what you're accessing through this.
1: That's that's absolutely right. This, this is actually a portal or a front end into our advanced technology center, which is a, a very large installation of four separate data centers in the St. Louis area. Uh, where we have worked hand in glove with our OEM partners to put in a very broad degree, a very broad array of solutions, and we provide a whole pile of different services to our customers out of that. These, you know, the the these labs have been built by uh, by by a combination of our. Uh, our architects and engineers as well as in some cases uh um people from the oems themselves and they're you know and and, and so they're they're meant to be really good reflections we also do though we also do a lot of services out of the advanced technology center including uh including running labs as a service for uh, for various, for customers. Uh, we also can do proofs of concept. So we can, we can do head to head comparisons, set up environments, uh, for allowing our customers to really compare solutions and really try to emulate some real world, real world, uh, conditions and situations. Um, and see how these, see how these tools might interact to, uh, to address those. So it's it's a a really tremendous resource. And it's one of the things that I think makes
3: WWT unique.
0: I I definitely agree. Ken, were you going to say something there as we close things out?
3: Yeah, I was going to say this is one of the reasons I joined WWT, because they have a half a billion dollars worth of investments in just lab-only stuff. I used to do this in the intelligence world, and, uh, and, and WWT has done it on steroids, really complex integrations, and how do I do this? They don't talk about it. They've done it. It's really yeah. impressive.
0: Well, and I used to think as we wrap things up here, you know, my last plug for what, what's happening here is that um, a lot of times you think, because I've flown to St. Louis the last time, the, well, the first time I was there and wasn't quite the last time, but it was 2016. And it was there, it was a, um, we were accessing some labs and I was working with a vendor and there were, but there were other m- multiple vendors involved with this. It was um, uh, some business resiliency concepts that were being physically built out and tested. And that kind of thing is ongoing. But the beauty is, and you guys were doing this before COVID hit and we all went into this lockdown thing, Uh, you guys started making this stuff available. And I just recommend that everyone check this out because there's WWT.com. There's a lot of stuff, even if you're not interested in the zero trust, there's a lot of educational material. There's a lot of free material. There's hands on time you can get without having to talk to another human if you really don't want to. You know, so there's all kinds of options for whatever your situation is. But today's topic, oh, I was going to play some music as we're as we're going out here. Hopefully that's coming in slowly. I wanted to sound cool. Um, Can you kind of hear it? All right, I probably shouldn't call it out if I'm trying to be cool. Uh, But as we, uh, I I think the principle is you mentioned, Steve, you mentioned the workshops and the the various levels of stuff, no matter where a customer is or where a potential customer is, if if, I'm speaking to the audience right now, if you guys have something you want to ask some questions and you're like, I don't even know how to phrase the question, this is where you should go, and that's exactly what these guys have set these kind of services up for. Um, I can't tell you how much I've learned from the three that are that are with us today and all the dumb questions they've let me ask um, and continue to say live on their own show. But um, either way, there's great resources. You guys do some good work. I like where the zero trust is where everyone needs to keep going. It's not the uh, It's not the end all, it's not the magic bullet. It's not the Ken or the Steve. Those are the only magic bullets we have, um, you know, and so in uh, WWE's already got them, but you can access them. So either way, guys, Steve, my brother, Ricky, Ken, <laughs> I appreciate, not really my brother, but I'll take it. Um, really appreciate your time today. Good coverage on this stuff. Keep doing the work that you're doing. And um, to those of you watching, keep watching Tech 37. My name is Rob Boyd. You guys enjoy the rest of your day. I'll take care.